0: Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the fiber arts podcast with a bit about the rest of life thrown in. Hosted by Dave and Erica, husband and wife yarn shop owners in Indiana, USA. This is episode 75, recorded the week the 19th of January, 2019. And today's segments include What You're Working On, Sponsored Pattern, and Colorful Puddles. Splish Bosh. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show.
1: So, Erica, what have you been working on this two weeks?
0: <laughs> uh, I have been working on a million billion things. Um, I have felt super productive in the crafting zone and not all that productive in any other zone.
1: <laughs> um, it's okay, I've made up for the other one. It's true.
0: Um, so, I have been working on quite a bit. I... Uh, I'm feeling a little bit disorganized today. We've kind of changed the way we do notes and uh, they're they're less coherent now than they used to be.
1: And we're, we're kind of sat in a slightly odd place while we're waiting for our recording space to be finished. So this podcast is literally supported by Julia Child um, and the Master <laughs> the Isle of French Cooking. That is what my microphone is sat on. <laughs> um, so in
0: the knitting room, I have finished the knitting on i've been almost exclusively working on the re-release pattern for our first big batch of hand dyed yarn that will be ready we're hoping by the end of january
1: we're Um, waiting on dyes right now
0: yep and um so i am doing this out of our existing pattern you can actually go to ravelry and purchase it right now it's called plaid lace scarf um, but it is getting a total facelift lift this pattern including two video tutorials um, a new sample done um, all kinds of extra uh, extra things added to the pattern uh, so if it were me I would wait um, to go and get the pattern we will do it as part of our big launch with the new yarn at the end of January um, so that is what I have been knitting I think exclusively, I do not believe I've done a single stitch on a single project that wasn't this one in the last two weeks, Um, but it is finished, finished right now.
1: I'm really pleased with how this came out.
0: It's come out, it's really a fun one to do. Uh, It was fun to work on, it's fun to see, Uh, it has a little, a little extra thing that happens at the end that creates a big reveal. Um, and it, I have enjoyed working with it. I've really enjoyed working with our new yarn base. Um, it is a wool silk sea cell, and sea cell comes from seaweed um, blend that we are calling sea luxe, um, and all of the colorways that Dave is dyeing are named for sea creatures. Um, and notice there's a pun in that name, and it wasn't me. It was me. <laughs> I came up with the pun all by myself. Um, so that is what I've been doing in the knitting room. In the sewing room... I don't actually have different rooms for these crafts, (laughs) in case you didn't
1: know that already. She just faces her chair in a slightly different direction.
0: (laughs) Um, To be fair, I normally knit on the couch and I normally sew in the sewing room. So I guess I do have a little bit of a different, uh, in a different place. I have gone nuts making toddler pants. Um, I got, uh, for my birthday, I took myself to the fabric store and bought a new pattern. Um, It is Clever Clever Charlotte is the name of the pattern company, and the Raven Pants and Hoodie is the name of the pattern, um, and I have made both. I've made the Raven Hoodie. is like a, a sort of a short-sleeved jacket thing with a hood. It's made out of a non-stretchy fabric, like a woven fabric. Um, I made Poppy that. She She calls it her indoor coat. Her indoor coat, yes. Um, And I made that out of, she picked the lining fabric. It's a striped fabric that Dave thinks is ugly. Um, I have a huge (laughs) bolt of it and I've used it for a million things forever. I wasn't Um, even going to say it. (laughs) <laughs> but Poppy picked it out and she wanted that to be the lining. Um, and so the outside of the coat, I had a gray, uh, gray greeny. Yeah,
1: it's kind of a saggy color.
0: Yep. Uh, silk uh, fabric. It actually it used to be a duvet cover for Dave and I. Um, we uh, used it for our duvet cover for several years and it got a big giant rip in it. Um, I repaired a couple of smaller rips and this one was unrepairable. So it went into my bag-o fabric that was too nice to throw away. Uh, to, for me to make something with um, and most people probably do not make their toddlers things out of 100 percent silk but it matched the lining that she picked out and i'm sick of saving my stash for the perfect project i'm ready to just use it and call that the perfect project uh, so it's very cute i really really like how that coat came out and it has a little tie detail around it the duvet cover was all a uh, just the flat solid color greeny gray Um, But then there were stripes of the same exact color, but with a texture, like a little, um, I'm making hand motions, which doesn't work very well on audio. bobbles, almost like lots of little French knots or something. Yeah, that's, that's probably exactly what they were, like a bunch of little French knots. And so I made the entire outside of the coat with just the solid fabric. And then I made the little tie detail with that, like the little French knot. Um, and so it it looks very sophisticated. Um, I think it's very very cute. Um, and then I've made several of I made two of the pairs of pants that it came with. There are like three different pocket options, which has been kind of fun to play with those. Um, it has. Poppy pins. is
1: very excited that she has pockets.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: um. She tries
0: to see exactly how many things she can put in them. Dice are her favorite things to put it's in added the pockets. A
1: new fun element to toddler laundry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so the, there's a pin tuck on the fronts of the pants, which I had never done before. And it's incredibly easy. You fold the fabric in half where the line tells you to, you iron it, and then you stitch away, stitch straight down the fronts of your fabric, an eighth of an inch away from the, the place where you ironed. And then it, it just makes it look, she doesn't look like a little baby anymore wearing stretch pants all the time. Like the, the pin tuck in the pockets make these look like big girl pants. Um, but she is in fact still tiny. This pattern, the smallest <laughs> size that it went to was a 2T. Um, and those were wildly too big for her, fell down when she walked, kind of too big. Um, and she will be three in a few days. <laughs> um so I graded down, I actually laid a pattern piece from a yet another pattern on top of it and and uh trimmed down the waistline of these to make a 12-month size, and the 12-month fits her waist. I'm actually cutting them extra long because she has a little bit longer legs than average. So a a 12-month waist and a 4T length. Um, She is the perfect size for her, but an unusual size for patterns. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But thank goodness I sew because I have no idea what she would wear if I didn't. Um, so I've made two pairs of those, one pair that will fit her five years from now when she finally can wear a 2T size, um, and one with a 12 month size waist that, uh, that fits her right now. I also, I just announced on, uh, our Instagram and Facebook, if you have not followed us on our social media, we are very active on Instagram as Nomad Yarns and on Facebook and the same thing. Um, I'm
1: starting to do a little bit more on Twitter. I need to need to get on
0: that. That was kind of our New Year's resolution Knee things so was I was going to be uh, putting things on Instagram and Dave was going to be putting things on Twitter.
1: You're doing a better job with me. I
0: am. Um, but I also like to see pretty pictures of my stuff go out. It makes me happy. So just this evening, um, I put up a picture. I have committed to finishing a quilt that has been one hour from done for like 12 years um all it needs is binding i'm going to bind it um i that doesn't count as sewing because i haven't done it yet but i will have done it before the next podcast (laughs) goes
1: out so if if erica hasn't done that by the next podcast um i want you to barrage this with emails and tell her that she should have done (laughs) um that's going to punish me because i check the emails (laughs) yeah that's true uh i also have
0: sewn two pairs of toddler pajamas um out of kind of just some scrappy fabrics And um, I've converted a couple of pairs of uh, Poppy is fully potty trained now. She had um, a couple of shirts still that had like the snaps in the crotch. And so I've cut the bottoms off those and sewn other uh, fabric around them uh, so that we didn't have to go and buy her a whole new wardrobe when she potty trained. And since we cloth diaper, um, the cloth diapers make her behind much, much bigger than it is once she's not wearing the cloth diapers anymore.
1: She falls down now and says, That hurt my butt.
0: Because <laughs> she doesn't have the four inches of padding anymore. <laughs> Um, in the kitchen, I have been mostly doing bread, bready things. I put kombucha on hold, uh, because I over-kombuched, um, I didn't have any more bottles to put it in, uh, so I scooped out the scoby, the big gross looking thing that sits on the top, um, and enough liquid to cover it. Uh, bottled all the rest of the kombucha in the jar, and I'm going to start a new batch once I've drunk almost all of
1: what I have. It's now sat in a jar in our kitchen. It looks a bit like a medical specimen.
0: It does a little bit, (laughs) like some sort of organ. Um, I think it's neat and interesting. Um, But I also took that opportunity. um, The... Kombucha is fermented sweet black tea made by a symbiotic culture of yeast and bacteria, which is where the SCOBY is an acronym. Um, and so at the bottom of the brewing vessel that I was using, there was a lot of yeast. Like it was all cloudy and there, there's just a lot of yeast there. Um, and so I followed a recipe from the internet to try to turn that into a sort of a, a quick cheater method of making a sourdough bread starter culture because sourdough bread um, is a lot, is wild yeast cultures rather than. Um, rather than the store-bought yeast that you buy to make bread with. Um, So I drained a little bit of the very, very bottom with all the yeast in it. um, And you just combine that with equal amounts of flour. So I had a cup of the super yeasty uh, kombucha at the very end and I put in a cup of flour and I stirred it up and lo and behold, it became a sourdough starter. Uh, So we've been playing with bread quite a bit. Um, I've made some true like loaves of bread for sandwiches, which I'd never, or I have done before, but it's been a long time.
1: They were pretty good. They're a little bit, a little bit dense. I think then the second lot you did with the sourdough starter worked way better.
0: Yeah, the first time I did the sourdough, it got super active and very bubbly right away, um, and so I made the bread the very next day, and that just wasn't quite enough time. It was a very active. Culture, but it wasn't, it hadn't matured all the way yet. Um, and then I did a, another batch um, that we made pizza dough from last night um, that was very, very risy. Um, the, the culture had set out for about, about a week and a half at that point. Um, so that seemed to work better. It's a kind of a fun experiment uh it was only the cost of a cup of flour so it wasn't too much of an investment it's been kind of fun um the sourdough starter smells really good it smells very sourdoughy so i'm excited to try that
1: yeah that Um, dough was really good when we made pizza yesterday
0: yep uh and that's i've done a couple of other things as well but that's all the all the super big stuff that i want to talk about dave what have you been up to
1: all kinds of things. Um, so I've been setting up our dye studio and getting lots of other things produced for the store. So I want to talk about the uh, the dye studio a bit more um, when we get to my colourful puddle su- section and what I've been doing down there. Um, otherwise, it has been time to get all the printing done um so i've been designing and preparing labels and um a
0: super quick overview in case you're brand new what are we
1: doing we have owned a brick and mortar store um for getting on for nine years now and we're about to have to move um the block that our um, store is on has just been purchased redevelopment And all the buildings are going to be gone at the end of March. So instead of getting ourselves a new fixed location, we are moving to a truck, which is super exciting. So that means lots of new stuff are happening for us. We're um, working out um, what we're going to be keeping from the store, getting everything set up there um, to move to the truck. We have a truck in our yard that we are refitting right now, getting ready to go. I'm going to be installing um, a solar panel system to do the internal lighting, uh, run all of our electronics for the checkout system. Um, We've got an awning to put on the side, it's already got a service window in it, it's going to be all singing, all dancing, visible from a distance. Um, Fantastic yarn truck.
0: And I've actually driven it around to practice a little bit uh, this
1: week um we have some contractors here at the house um working on converting a little outbuilding into our new office um, and recording studio and then uh, we have the electrician help down in the basement uh put some new circuits in for me to set up my dye studio which is what i've been doing the last couple of weeks um we're going to be ramping up our uh, hand dyeing i've been doing that in the store for a little while and teaching a lot of classes um now we are going into production so uh batches of a couple of hundred skeins of a yarn at a time coming down the line
0: and we've ordered the first batch is the new sealux that i'm working with now and this is kind of our testing out the waters of the new system to get everything um all the kinks worked out and then we uh, have ordered all of the yarn to dye if you have supported us on kickstarter uh, for the three
1: new kits um,
0: that we are are doing all the yarn has been ordered it is shipping our
1: way Plus an extra surprise yarn that we slipped in because we thought it was too good to miss. Yep. Um, So yes, four more yarn bases coming down the line, I'm going to be talking about all of that in the um, Colourful Puzzle segment. Um, So as I said, I've got all my printing um, sorted for um, our first shot, a lot of yarn labels, the first lot of kit labels, um, and some other fun things. Uh, We've got a big uh, sign of our new logo uh, that's going to go in our little recording area for when Erica's doing videos. Um, I have booked in four shows, so we are still waiting to hear back from several of them. Um, but we are going to be doing lots on lots of fiber festivals in the Midwest, um, on our new yarn truck, as well as trying to get to some arts and crafts festivals, uh, too. Do you have an approximate number? How many will be in
0: from April to the end of 2019?
1: It's... 20-ish? Um... For for fibre festivals, kind of 10-ish. Okay. Um, overall festivals, it will probably be about 20. We're still waiting for some of them to open up um, for uh, the dates. Um, a lot of the arts and crafts festivals have kind of limited windows, so I've signed up for information when those come in. Um, but we will be at... Um, some kind of festival as many weekends pretty much as we can make it. Um, so watch out for us all over the Midwest. I got a confirmation today that we will be doing the um, Autumn Fibre Festival um, in Ohio for sure. Um, we, the uh, wall gathering? Um, that's a different one. We'll, we'll oh, be doing okay. the wool gathering as well. Um, so we booked in for that. Uh, We will, of course, be doing the Fibre Event at Greencastle that we always do and uh, Hoosier Hills Fibre Event that we always do. Um, We're looking at being at uh, the Ann Arbor Fibre Expo um, in the fall. In Michigan. In Michigan. Um, And we've got a few others coming up next year. We'll be doing more because we'll be doing the January to March shows too.
0: Yep. Um, and on our website, truckcom there's a huge button right in the middle that says truck schedule. Um, and as we get final confirmations for all these shows, as well as our other regular parking spots, we will get those, um, those populated. So you'll be able to see exactly where we will be when.
1: Yeah, those will be, that will be coming pretty soon. Well, as they start to come in, I'm working off an old fashioned paper calendar right now as it's my, the easiest way for me to see everything kind of laid out. Um, yeah we've got some really fun things coming up so yeah lots of lots of hard working at the store uh, getting everything set up there um I, we
0: also had inventory um where we have to touch and count every single ball of yarn in the shop um i don't mind touching all of the balls of yarn but entering them into the computer
1: afterwards is my least <laughs> favorite thing of the
0: entire year
1: yeah so that's uh erica's been doing that as well uh we've got uh we've been working with our laser cutter just um Talk to him today as well. So we've got some laser cut goodies coming down the line as well. Including a needle gauge. Yep, a needle gauge. It took a little bit of calibrating to get it right. Oh, Eric had to go and so see it a couple much. Of times. Um, uh, we will have Nomad John stitch markers. Um, and we're getting some labels. Uh, we're working on designing those too. Some stitch in labels. Um, so watch out for those. Um, along with our kits. I'm also getting some stuff printed with our logos too. Um, which I need to set up this next week. So lots and lots of new products exciting things coming along Um, at home i've been working and setting up the dye studio now that we're back to working from home we haven't done that for a few years um we lived above the shop
0: for the first several years um that we owned it and then we moved 500 feet away um to have be able to go home from work um and have a little bit more space um, or a lot more space.
1: Yeah, a lot more space. It was a, a
0: one-bedroom apartment above the above the shop. Um, and so it's a nicer commute when yeah. it's snowy to
1: not have to walk outside.
0: I mean, we are still going to work, but um, in the evening times, we can work from home instead of having to trek back down to the shop.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, running the dye studio, I think, where the kids are sleeping.
0: <laughs> the baby monitor does reach into the basement dye studio.
1: But, yeah. Uh... Children and and hot uh, pots of dye don't combine very well. Not at this age, um, so I've also been doing uh, some cooking in the kitchen. Um, I made a big batch of my homemade hummus, which I think is probably the best batch I've ever made. It was really really good. Um, so we got some great uh, extra virgin olive olive oil um, over the fall to get uh, to make some nice fall salads, and had some of that left, so I made use some really nice olive oil. Um, Of course, tahini um, we got from the international market because they have a better range of that kind of option there. And then I pan-roasted the chickpeas uh, to make the hummus. Um, I always do a big quantity, so I use three whole cans of chickpeas. Um, I've given up using dried beans. They never seem to go great for us um, with the amount of time that we have available. So three cans of chickpeas uh, added in, um, lots of spices there, lots of garlic kind of pan roasted them and then instead of uh processing the blender i actually used our food mill um because of course we have a food mill why wouldn't we um <laughs> everywhere every american home has a food mill um so i hand cranked uh that and they actually i think it gave a better texture um it was nice there's consistent. some more
0: chunks there's yeah it's not just like a paste it's definitely got some more bite and and character to it
1: um, so, yeah, I've been really pleased with that.
0: Um, the 16-month-old really likes it. It becomes a problem because he smears it everywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I've used some of Erica's great bread dough to make some pizzas and some kind of tear-and-share breads. Um, we made a big pot of chili the other day. Erica made the base, and I, I fancied it up. Um so we've been eating lots of classic winter meals. It's it's the season for comfort food.
0: It's finally, we've finally got some snow on the ground. I feel like the only one alive. I really love the snow. Um, and so I was bummed that we hadn't had any snow yet. So we're making up for it. I think we're supposed to get a lot more this weekend.
1: Poppy's excited. She tells us it's Christmas again. Yes, um. <laughs> we need to put up
0: the decorations. It's Christmas. I don't know why she can't say Christmas. <laughs> she just doesn't really have trouble saying most other words.
1: Um, in the uh, painting studio, um for my miniatures painting service. I have been working on just finishing a, a few little projects off. Um, I finished a couple of big ones just before the holidays. Um, so I've been kind of squeezing in some other little ones. I've painted a... Um, it, I have painted a. I can not remember the exact name of the game. It's by Cool Mini or Art and it's based on The Godfather. Um, so I painted the minis for that, which was kind of fun. Lots and lots of kind of black and grey and dark blue suits. I've been working on um, a couple of kind of crazy little robot guys that I used a really fancy um, candy coating technique. Um, So candy coats, if you're not familiar with kind of what they look like, um, think of like a hot rod. um, That kind of metallic look that has a really kind of high gloss uh, color varnish over it. Um, so I did something even fancier, I used a, um, a colour changing metallic paint um, which only works for the airbrush um, and they go on super, super thin. Um, so when you change the angle of the um, the piece, it changes colour, again like a sports car. And then put a candy coat colour over the top of that, like a coloured um, varnish. So essentially the, they're bright purple and if you change the angle of the piece it goes from a bluey purple to a reddy purple. I think that's a really cool technique. I have a, I have plans of painting other things around our house, perhaps. In that, <laughs> <that telescope>. mm. <laughs> Maybe our microphones need a need a uh, a fancy color job on it, um, and I've been doing a little bit more work on my own uh, models for Adepticon over the holidays. I know Erica's podcasted since the holidays, but I haven't. Um, so I worked a little bit on those. I'm taking my stompy uh, giant robots. Um, so I've been building some really fancy bases for those um, involving um, some putty rollers, uh, which is a rolling t- tool uh, they are used for kind of polymer clay as well, but uh, slightly different ones in um, scale modeling. Um, you basically roll them onto polymer clay or putty to produce um, a repeating impression. So for these, I've got some ancient Greek mosaic looking floors. Um, I might use some cake columns, I cut those up, and then stuff those full of cork and um, texture paste to make the little broken columns. What do you columns. mean by cake columns? Um, so exactly the cakes, the plastic columns you get for wedding cakes. Ah,
0: okay.
1: Um, they're the right so size. you meant make... they were made of cake. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> make them easier to cut. <laughs> um, so uh, I've been using those and some cork and texture paste to make some broken looking columns. Um, so I'm really pleased with those. I think this is going to look really cool. Um, and I am really excited to book in um, the amazing Matt Kane is going to be coming back um, to teach us all again uh, his character class um, in um, May this year. Uh, he's an incredible painter. He's one of the world's best miniature painters. Um, and I'm very excited to learn from him. Four days of super intense courses again. Um, I'm sure I'll talk a lot more about that. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Lots of little cooking things, lots of little things around the house. Lots and lots of uh, stuff in the store. Yep. It's all, it's all happening very,
0: very quickly <laughs> now. On that note, we also are switching to an every other week podcast until the truck is up and running. So until at least April, um, we just, we need the extra time that it takes to do the podcast to get everything else done. Um, so every other week, but we'll try to make it twice as much fun.
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah, and then uh, when we're up on the truck, we should hopefully have lots and lots to talk about. So we better switch back to weekly then, I guess. Yep, that'll definitely be the plan. Okay, so um, super long what you're working on this week. And I'm just going to switch into my colourful puzzle segment. But first, what's the sponsored pattern?
0: The sponsored pattern for this week is called the Diamond Back Wrap by me, Erica Kemp broughton It's a pattern up on Ravelry. Um, and it is one of my early designs. Um, that one has been out for a long time. It's an oldie but a goodie.
1: I was still living in England when you designed this one you knit it's, it was vacation.
0: It's true. Um, so this is a triangular shawl uh, pattern but you actually you start at the you start at the point at the bottom um, and you're doing increases on either side regularly through throughout it. Um, so this means that you can um, you start at the bottom and work your way up, which is a little bit unusual. Um, generally, with uh, with the shawls, you're going to start in the center. And and work up so it gives it a little bit of a different look. It's also kind of nice it's just a change of pace it's not uh, a super popular straw construction style right now. Uh, So the border of it is done all in garter stitch so there's not a whole lot of of mental space that that takes up and then there's a a lace pattern that is sort of interlocking diamonds um, and there's three columns of them. And those just run up the center of the shawl so as your rows get longer um, your center panel never gets any bigger Um, so as your rows get longer you end up with a project where you don't have to do all that much uh, lace work to get a really large fun piece when you're done
1: this is a it's a really good kind of first lace project or if you want a lace project that's not quite so intense um, Eric used to teach this as a beginning uh, charted lace class as well.
0: Yeah, it would be a great first time dealing with uh, lace knitting charts. Uh, this would be a good a good jumping off point. The the yarn that I used for it is a DK weight, hundred percent superwash wool. Uh, but the yarn that I think would be amazing and that I would do it again now if I was doing it um, is Stargazer. Um, It is the yarn that I just finished a different project in. It is a wool llama silk blend um, and it feels really, really lovely. No No, wool, llama silk. Um, Llama silk blend sport weight Um, it's got a great sheen and it just, I was so pleased with how that yarn held the lace and showed lace off. I think it would be a really good fit for this particular project.
1: And conveniently, it's available right now on our online store. Yep. So you can check that
0: out too. We'll put a link uh, to this and everything else that we talk about in the emailed show notes that go out once a week. Uh, You can sign up to get those emailed show notes on our website or through the notes in the podcast. The coupon code for you to get a free copy of the, that pattern this week, the free three, it will be available today, Saturday, and Sunday and Monday. Uh, Monday being January 21st, which is easy to remember because that is our daughter's third birthday. Um, the coupon code to get your free copy for those three days will be Lucy in the Sky. There are spaces, no capital letters. Lucy in the Sky. On to Splashing in the Colorful Puddles with Dave.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be uh, floating down there um, in my boat on the river. Okay, um, so down in the basement studio, we are ready and actually starting to do some dyeing. Um, So I wanted to talk about kind of how we're scaling up um, our dye studio and what the plans are for the next little bit. Um, So for a long time I have been um, teaching dyeing and in the last couple of years I've started uh, dyeing batches of yarn for sale in the store which have become some of our biggest selling items. So when we're making this big change and we're going to get a bit more time to commit to dyeing I really wanted to make sure um, to be prepared for what we were going to do. So in the past, I've been dying uh, with um, some crock pots um, as well as microwaves and food steamers. Now, all of those things are available in kind of larger commercial sizes. What I decided to do for this that will actually give us the most um, kind of availability of, of options, Instead of getting uh, single large kettles to upgrade for my heating or um, kind of larger microwaves, I picked up some restaurant steam tables. Um, so these are the uh, equipment you'd use in a restaurant to keep food warm. Um, it's, it varies on kind of how hot they get, whether they call called a, a steam table or a food warmer. These, I guess, are technically food warmers. Um... The acid dye uh, setting temperature that you need to reach is a minimum of 185 Fahrenheit, or about 85 degrees uh, C, if you use sensible measurements. Um, (laughs) um, And you top out about kind of 200, 230, so you you don't really want to go that much uh, above boiling. Um, these, uh, food warmers that I picked up, would that
0: damage the dye in some way? Or are you starting to worry about felting the yarn? You're starting
1: to worry about felting the yarn. Um, and if you, I mean, if you heat the dyes too much, some of the colors are not going to do very well. And then you're going to start evaporating all your water and breathing in dye fumes. So you really don't want to boil it if you can help it. Um, keep it below, below boiling just to make everything work well. You only need to reach 185 to, to get the dyes to set really nicely, um, and quickly. Um, so it's one of those hit the magic number, and it, it but it's not better to go above that number. Not really. Okay. I mean, it'll, it'll work a little bit faster, um, but not really that much above. Um, so 185 is our magic number. Um, so these, uh, the restaurant warmers that I picked up are six well uh, soup warmers. Um, I picked up two of them. So I have 12 wells. And each of those wells will hold um, a minimum of, well, a minimum of one, obviously, Um, but I think I will be able to fit a pound of yarn in each of those wells uh, if I push it with plenty of space to move around. So theoretically, in one die run, I can run 12 pounds of yarn. Uh, That's a lot of yarn. Um, So I decided to go with this method to give me um, smaller spaces to set. Uh, Just to give um, some more options with flexibility, Um, a lot of places and a lot of people will want to to ramp up and do um, a large kettle um, all in one go uh, for consistency of um, uh, kind of colour, amount of dye, um, and uh, heating. The great thing about these is I have six wells and they're all in the same um, bath. I can essentially mix up my batch of dye measure the same amount into each well, put my skeins in, and then um, run them all at once and they'll essentially all be the same dialog. But if I do want to top up and add a a few extra skeins, do a custom order, um, or um, just try out some new colorways, I can run six colorways, um, six separate colorways, all at once in one Steam Table. So I could theoretically run 12 colorway samples to design a whole new line, all in just one heating run, which is really useful, really helpful.
0: Yeah, because it takes a while for these to get hot and up to temperature.
1: Yeah, you, you're heating a lot of water. It's basically an immersion tank, with, um, which then have the the uh, pots sat in them, um, just a big band marine, basically. Um, so it does take a little while to heat up, but then once it's hot, I can keep on running and, and switching stuff out really nicely. It will allow us, if we ever do uh, decide to do things like gradients um, to run all the dye colors really easily in one coat as well. Um, so yeah, it gives us a lot, lot of flexibility.
0: And I know you've been playing with different ways to set die for years now um, with the different classes and the different techniques you've done, so I know you you'd worked out exactly what you wanted.
1: Yeah, and I think um, with this as well, I've yet to test it with um, the speckle method that I use, but I think this will work really nicely. It's one of the things I want to try in the next couple of weeks. Um, otherwise I'll be setting my steamers, which will work just fine too. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, because each well is uh, isolate, isolated and um, you can basically run it uh, dry, I should be able to do my speckle um, techniques in this too. So, along with picking up that equipment, what else did I kind of decide to upgrade? Well, I've been using the half ounce dye um, uh, pots that we um, stock for Jacquard on our regular displays to do my dyeing. That's great if you're only running a couple of skeins when you're starting to do 200 skein batches we're going to have to up things a little bit um so i um i still plan to and have been using the um, mason jar um, stock solution method but instead of putting vinegar in those jars and getting those going um, I've got myself a set of gradiated beakers um, and graduated syringes to be able to make sure I'm measuring the exact same amount of um, acid into each of the um, each of the wells and runs that I do to make sure that that's consistent. Um, still mixing a consistent amount of jar um, dye in each of those jars because I know it's a fixed volume. But then I've uh, picked up some large um, syringes that like the really big veterinary syringes that you use to give horses their shots, <laughs> um, like 150 mil syringes that could tranquilize a rhino and um, use those to be able to use uh, large volumes of the solutions to do uh, larger batches of um, dyeing at once, um, as well as some other kind of little tricks that I've added in. So to do hand paints, um, I picked up a bunch of squeezy bottles. Um, I'll then be able to mix up larger quantities of dyes and be able to run um, those hand paints several skeins at once on my new baking sheets. Um, picked up some um, commercial bakery size, size um, like full cookie sheets. Um, that will be another useful thing as well and allow me to lay out wet yarn, but also to do speckles. Um so my new speckle um equipment. Before I've been using builders paint trays, um which are great. You do like
0: the liners that you just, put in the things that you roll the paints in. Yeah. Like you get them at Lowe's and they're normally blue.
1: Yep. Um they're really nice to work with. They've got a little bit of depth to the side. Um with this for speckling, um to make it easier that I won't have to kind of turn the skein around and worry about it getting not quite how I want it to be distributed. Um, instead of using salt shakers, I want the dye to come out a little bit faster. So I've got restaurant cheese shakers, um, the ones you get Parmesan cheese and chili flakes in at the pizza restaurant. Um, a bunch of those I can mix up my colours. Some um, cooling racks to go on top of the cookie sheets. What this will allow me to do is lay the skein on the cookie rack. Um, then do my speckling over the top, flip it and speckle on the other side and not worry about the speckles pooling, which is something that I've had to be really vigilant with in the past with the other method.
0: Did you get anything that wasn't supposed to be for cooking? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite realize uh, exactly how no, much it just for I just went, to, the store, I just went store. to a restaurant to
1: supply, supply store and basically bought half a restaurant. <laughs> okay, so yeah, if we if we give up on dying, give it a thorough wash and we can uh, start our own cupcake business. <laughs> don't do that. Don't once do that. <laughs> once you've used
0: something for dying, don't don't yeah. cook with it. Don't do
1: that. Um, so yeah, um, we've set up, um, the only thing that I'm missing now is my sink. Um, it's sat down in the basement, we're waiting for some um, plumbing fittings, we have to go and pick those up at the hardware store. Yeah, so. the
0: sink exists, it's just not connected to yeah. anything.
1: <laughs> so the first uh, die runs that I did, it was a little bit of uh, toing and throwing up the stairs with buckets of water, but it's, it's a good workout. I'm normally lifting 25 pound kids, so it's <laughs> it didn't feel like as much as it used to. So, what did we do for our first round of dyeing?
0: Stay tuned for another
1: episode, another time. You're not going to let me tell. It's I'm not. top secret. I'm not. Okay, well, <laughs> we're. The first two colors of Sea are um, sitting right in front of me looking pretty. Um,
0: I wanted to wait until we'd done a couple of more dye runs and until he has ordered the, the dye in five pound jars.
1: No, I got the eight ounce and one pound jars. Okay. Because okay. you only use half an ounce per die run, so it's going to last me a long time.
0: Okay. Um, so I wanted to wait until you had the next batch of things in to be able to talk about it. Okay. Plus, I'm ready to go to bed. It's late. <laughs> tired. Uh, so stay tuned.
1: Okay, stay tuned for these very pretty skeins of yarn. And boy, are they pretty. <laughs>
0: you uh if you have been on our facebook or instagram you've seen some sort of teaser pictures um, of the process
1: yep yeah, and uh one of the colors of the 10 that i will be dying for this um that's actually one that i'm waiting for the dye to come in to do the full scale batch so the two that's in front of me are unrevealed colors okay well thanks for listening and we'll see you next time with some talk about my dye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Find us on Facebook on our group Nomad Jana's Podcast, on Instagram as Nomad Jarns, or on Ravelry in our group Nomad Jana's. Find show notes with links to things we talked about on today's show on our website, slash podcast.
0: And as I tell all my classes in crafting, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.